one more sermon before a sabbatical, in case you were thinking, oh good, it's going to be quick, we're going to get out of here. Nope. <clears throat> one more, 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, and I'm trying to land the plane on this series in the life of David, which we've been on for sort of an awkward amount of time because of COVID and everything else, and it's hard quite a challenge to know exactly how to end a series on the life of David because the legacy of his life cascades through the rest of the Bible. So where do you exactly end? Do you end in 2 Samuel? Do you end in Kings? How about the New Testament? The very first words in the New Testament refer to David. Jesus' last words in Revelation chapter 22, the last chapter of the Bible, he refers to David. So how do you end a series with somebody who lives in the future? It's hard to know exactly how to do that. Uh, and I thought as I'm going on my sabbatical today, it would be helpful maybe to end with David's last words, his last spoken words. Lord willing, they won't be my last words to you. <clears throat> so I am planning on returning in August. But look here with me in chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. We see in just in verse 1, David knew that his time for to die was drawing near. So this morning, you and I have a special privilege to, to lean in and to listen to a man's dying words. It's a very intimate conversation he has with his son, Solomon, who's going to become king. And David's on his death, deathbed with his last few breaths, whispering these final words. To Solomon, think with me for a moment. If you were on your deathbed, your children were gathered around, your family, what, what would your last words be? What would be the last few things that you would want somebody who's going to be left on earth to, to know, to remember, to take away? Well, let's lean in and listen, and you can see very clearly from the text, David whispers to Solomon five things. First of all, verse 2, be courageous. I'm about to go the way of all the earth. This is, this is what happens to, er to everybody. It's not a surprise that we die. And this is what he said, I'm, be strong and show yourself a man. Be strong and show yourself a man. The first point, be courageous. What a moment. David is looking at his son who's going to be the king and he's dying. And he's locked eyes with his son in a little bit different way at this moment than he ever has before. He knows these are the last few things he's going to say. And this statement, be strong and show yourself a man, it's not just a statement about gender. I don't think it's primarily about gender. I think it's primarily about courage. David probably borrows from the last words Moses gave to Joshua. Because David would have certainly read this passage many times in Deuteronomy 31. Moses, now locking eyes with Joseph, who's going to succeed him, says this, Be strong and courageous. The Lord your God is, goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. And perhaps the Apostle Paul, in his last words to the Corinthians borrows from Moses and David when he says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. 
See, David knows that it takes real courage to stand firm. David knows it takes real courage to stand up. David knows it takes this kind of courage from uh, many different ways, but we can just think of David and Goliath in 1 Samuel chapter 17. David's first recorded words in the Bible are in this first battle. Here's what he says. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that should defy the armies of the living God? And when everyone was shouting at David, David, you can't possibly win against this giant, their cowardliness collides with David's courage, and he replies, the Lord who delivered me from the lion and the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this giant as well. Now pay, pay close attention. Did you hear David's foundation for courage? David didn't say, I killed a lion and a bear. I'm going to kill this giant just like I killed those. That's not what he said. The Lord delivered to me the lion and the bear, and he will surely deliver to me the giant as well. See, this is a big difference in how we think about courage. So often we think about courage as you're going to muster up your personal energy to do something, and that's not what David's doing. David is tapping into the energy that comes from knowing the living God. And knowing the living God gives him the courage to take a stand. It's a huge difference. The Lord has delivered me. And so he leans in to Solomon. And he says, Solomon, be strong. Show yourself a man. Be courageous, courageous enough to trust in the living God. Not courageous enough in yourself or an army that's surrounding you, but courageous in the Lord. Richard Troutman, who recently passed away, member here at Christ Community Church, he died because of COVID, complications of COVID affected his lungs and he couldn't breathe so it was very hard to talk to him on his last day and I was there and he would have his oxygen mask on and then we'd take it off and try to say something and then he would have to put it back on immediately and I said well Richard what what do you want me to say it's your funeral keep telling people about Jesus As I recalled his last words, these same sort of whispered words, keep telling people about Jesus, I thought, we have a lot of giant voices in our culture, and it seems like keep telling people about Jesus going forward might be more difficult than having the opportunity to tell people in the past about Jesus. It might take more courage going forward as the culture changes. You're familiar with the voices, are you not? Oh, come on. You can't believe that anymore. I mean, that's so outdated. Nobody thinks that. I mean, if you say that from up front, I mean, people are going to leave. Doesn't agree with science. I mean, there's all kinds of voices out there and when everyone shrinks back from those giant voices coming from the culture the same lord who is calling out to david is still calling out for any person male or female 
to show themselves to be strong and courageous, not in their own strength, but somebody who really believes the power of the living God. And he's calling out to you, perhaps right now. Do you believe in the power of the living God? Or mostly in your life, you're operating underneath your own steam. You get up, you get something to eat, you get going, you sort of move throughout the day, you listen to a podcast, you're, you're all over the place, and you're mostly just sort of doing it with your own steam like most every other pe- pe- person. Or do you say, no, there's a living God that has a power to change things, has a power to deliver things to me or deliver me from things. See, David wants to make sure Solomon knows this. He's going to be the king. He's going to be in a position of power. He's going to have a willingness to rely on his own intellect or rely on an army or to rely on silver and gold. And David's trying to say, don't rely on any of those things. He's whispering to his son, be strong and courageous. Trust the Lord to deliver. Point number two, keep the charge. See that? I'm about to go the way of all the earth. Be strong and show yourself a man and keep the charge of the Lord your God. Keep the charge of the Lord your God. It's helpful to know the Hebrew word here for charge is the word used for sentry. You know, a sentry, the the soldier you often see standing at a passageway, a doorway, some critical place where things are coming from one place and moving into another and somebody's there to guard the door to to make sure the right things get in and the wrong things stay outside. David felt it important to remind Solomon that Solomon to say to Solomon, Solomon, remember you're on assignment. You have been given an assignment and I want you to keep your charge. I want you to stay at your post You're the king. You're supposed to guard God's people. And David urged Solomon, you know, Solomon, no matter how difficult your assignment becomes, no matter how tempted you are to leave your post, keep the charge. Stay at your post. A few of you might recall the history of the city of Pompeii. Can you think about that? It was a popular tourist city in the Roman Empire located on the west coast of Italy, also located at the base of a massive volcano. Anybody know this Jeopardy question? Mount, what is it? Vesuvius for 200, thank you. Mount Vesuvius. 79 AD, Mount Vesuvius exploded. Scientists today estimated it eject 1.5 million tons of ash and rock every second for 24 hours. The, the ash was so massive, it covered the entire city 16 feet deep, which remarkably preserved the city from lava that came from the volcano at 70 miles an hour. Many of the residents of Pompeii escaped, but some were left behind. And there's a story, and you may have seen a picture of this, of a Roman soldier who was preserved by the ash. 
standing at his post at the city gate, probably helping people to escape. Despite the obvious danger, he had been given an assignment. Solomon, you're on assignment. There's going to be all kinds of danger. There's going to be all kinds of eruptions around you. And when it happens, you've got to stay at your post. You can't abandon your post. You're at a critical place. And I wonder if you think about your life in the same way. If you are a follower of Jesus, then you've been drafted into his service. It's not optional. If you are a follower of Jesus, you're on assignment. It's not like, well, I'm sitting on the sidelines. No, you're on assignment. He has an assignment for you. He has, a, has you specifically positioned in some place that nobody else can quite fit into that position. Maybe just being in your neighborhood or in this city, it's an assignment. Almost every week I, I get a chance to meet people who are new to the city because they come and they're looking for a church and, oh, where are you from? Oh, I'm from here or from, from there. And well, What caused you to move to Wilmington? Well, a new job maybe or retirement. And I want to look at them and say, you're on assignment. I mean, yes, you're coming to that for these reasons. But if you're a believer, then you've all also been positioned here on assignment. On assignment in Wilmington. If you're married, if you have children, what a critical assignment. And in case you, if you don't know, volcanoes are going to erupt all the time. But you're on assignment. You stick to your post. Maybe you're on a, in a school or you're a sports team or at a workplace. You're not just a consumer. I'm not at school just to get a degree. I'm not on the team to just get a chance to play. I'm not at work just to get a paycheck. See, so often that's how we just wake up and we're in a consumer mentality and I'm going somewhere so I can get something. I'm going to work so I can get paid. I'm going to this team so I can play. I'm, I'm going to the school so I can get an education that the whole mindset is that we're at the center of the world and everything's operating around us and just feeding me, feeding me. No, that's completely the opposite. You've been specifically chosen and placed on assignment in these locations for God's glory. And maybe some of you need to hear David's whisper to Solomon. Keep your charge. Don't, don't leave your post. I don't care what volcano is exploding right now in your life. You're on an assignment. Number three, take God's word seriously. You see it here in verse 3, very easy to see. Walk in his ways, keep his statutes, keep his commands, keep his rules, keep his testimonies, keep everything that's written in the law of Moses. Just to make sure Solomon doesn't miss the point. <clears throat> like a good parent, he says it six times. 
and he says it different ways just to make sure you know. I mean, here his, this is one of his last points, and he's making this one point six times. This is a pretty important point. Walk in his ways, Solomon. Keep his statue, Solomon. Keep his commandments, Solomon. Keep his rules, Solomon. Keep his testimony, Solomon. Do everything written in the law of Moses, Solomon. This shouldn't exactly be breaking news for Solomon. This shouldn't be a, a, a news alert for any follower of God that we're supposed to keep his word seriously. Genesis chapter 3, what's the biggest failure? Not taking God's word seriously. Deuteronomy 6, the Shema, this thing that the Jewish people said every day, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words I'm commanding you today, they've got to be on your heart. You've got to teach them to your children while you talk with them, while you sit in your house, when you walk along the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. Joshua chapter 1, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Be careful to do everything written in it. But I don't think David is giving this piece of instruction just because it's been previous instruction. I think he's giving this piece of advice to keep God's word seriously because of previous pain. Oh, yes, it's true, Genesis 3 and Deuteronomy 6 and Joshua chapter 1, but I don't think that's really what David had in mind. I think if you were here last week, what David had in mind was the disaster that plagued the last half of his life because he didn't keep God's word. He didn't take God's word seriously. I think this is why he says it six times, because he had so much pain to endure because of his own mistakes, because he just didn't take God's word seriously. 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 Six times in case you were counting. Number four, real soul prosperity is found only in the Lord. that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. Everybody wants to prosper, do they not? And David is saying, this is the way you prosper, by taking God's word seriously. Real prosperity is only found in the Lord. David is reminding Solomon that the world is going to shout, I can fill that void. That thing that you think makes you feel prosperous or makes you alive, that thing is going to die out. It's going to lose energy. It's like a battery. It's going to run out of energy. There's only one way to find real prosperity. And like flashing lights at a carnival at night, the world's going to flash you offers of pleasure and prosperity. Don't take the bait, Solomon. Whatever your soul seeks, it can't be found out there. Remember that 
real soul-satisfying prosperity can only be found by following the Lord. I wonder if you think that way. I think especially if you're in high school or college. That the real reward in this life and the life to come is only found by following God. Or does it seem like you're in a cage and you think, I've gotten boxed into this narrow little Christian cave and you've got your face pressed up against the bars and you're just saying, oh, the real life is out there and I'm stuck in here. That's a lie. You've bought into a lie. You believe that real soul-satisfying prosperity is out there and you're stuck in here and you hope that heaven's going to be okay and that's going to somehow make up for it. That's a lie. Real soul-satisfying prosperity is found right here, right now, and in the life to come by following Jesus. Jesus says it, I have come to give life. All other competing voices come to kill, steal, and destroy. How tempting it would be if you were 18 and you're two months away from college. Freedom. You remember that? Oh, I remember it. Finally, getting out of the cage and being able to do whatever I want to do. And buying into things that would kill me and steal my life and destroy me. Don't do it. Very unfortunately, Solomon didn't heed David's last words here. When you read about Solomon's life, you find out that he foolishly believed that satisfying his personal desires would bring prosperity. So just listen to Solomon's last words. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, whether it was wine, women, or work. And when it came to the end of my life and I considered all that I experienced, behold. And you know what he says? You know it. Ecclesiastes. It was vanity. It was a vapor. I gave myself everything I wanted. I had the power within me to give it to myself. And when I look back and behold, it was vanity. It was like chasing after the wind. You don't have to trust me. Trust David. Trust Solomon. They tried it. It was a disaster. Real soul prosperity is found in the Lord. Number five, and then I'll go on my sabbatical. (laughs) Live for something bigger than yourself. That, here's the transition, verse 4, all this so that the Lord may establish his word that he he spoke concerning me. This is David saying, a promise has been given to me, and it's passing now on from me to you that your sons, if they pay close attention attention to their way, if they walk before me in faithfulness and their heart with all their heart and soul, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. Look, look beyond yourself, Solomon. David's final whisper 
Solomon, live for something bigger than your own blessing. Solomon, look beyond yourself. Your walk is going to inform the ways of your sons and their sons and their sons. It, it was an epic sweeping statement David's trying to plant in the mind of Solomon. Solomon, lift your eyes and see beyond the horizon of your timeline. I think David's afraid that Solomon could get caught up in something so small, so temporary, that, that he just doesn't see things that are bigger and beyond him. As David's passing away, he realizes Solomon's world could be swallowed by a vapor of activities. David knows Solomon. David knows he's staring at a very talented young man. A young man whose life could get moving so fast in the whirlwind of projects and power and passions that he's coming at it so fast that his life could just spin out of control. And he's trying to help Solomon. Don't do that. Don't get sucked in by all the power and passions of this world. Keep your eyes up on the horizon past your life. See that God's doing something so much bigger than whatever he might be accomplishing in your life right now. So he whispers with his last breath, Solomon, there's something way bigger than your own kingdom. Live with that in your mind. Live for God's kingdom, not your own. I don't know if you've ever seen the Felix Bumgarner jump from space. You know what that is? This crazy guy went up in a capsule called a little Red Bull capsule, like a spaceship kind of thing. He went up 24 miles. I I thought you were in the space by that point, but apparently you're still inside the atmosphere. And he goes up in this little capsule, one-man capsule, floats up like a hot air balloon. And at mile 24, he gets out and jumps. <laughs> Crazy. During the fall, Felix's maximum speed reached 843 miles per hour. That's supersonic. He broke the sound barrier. 804, just try to imagine that. Now, they had a lot of fears about this jump. One of them was that he would go into an uncontrollable spin. I mean, think about your hand outside the window. You do that thing? I mean, you, everybody does it, don't they? You get on I-40 and you're like, yeah! And you put your face out there. They were concerned that he would go into a spin, and if he went into the spin, he would black out. And they said, you know, you can't practice falling at 843 miles per hour. You don't exactly know what you're going to do at that speed. Even the slightest body position movement could create a spin. If you watch the video, Felix does go into a spin at one point. And he has some ground control people who are talking to him, and you hear the conversation. And very tensely, calmly, but you can feel the tense, tense the, the tension. Felix, Felix, and you can see him spinning, this little white spacesuit. 
Felix said this later in an interview. When you spin so violent, all your blood goes to your brain and there's a lot of pressure. I had to maintain consciousness because I needed to stop the spin. And fortunately, I did. I had to use all my skydiving skills to perform well in just those few minutes or I would have blacked out. David's concern for Solomon. My concern for you. My concern for me is that we've been going so fast, we've gotten into a spin, and most of us have blacked out. And we don't know it because we're still moving. But the world is coming at us so fast, so much noise, so much information, and we're just spinning and spinning, and we think, well, we're still moving, so we must know what's going on, and we've completely blacked out. And we don't have the capacity anymore to make adjustments to even try to stop the spin. David's concern for Solomon is the same thing I have for us. So much noise, so, so much, so every issue is accelerated by urgency. The media constantly feeding us a lie that nothing is bigger than what we see right now in front of us. All I had to use all of my skydiving skills to perform well in those few minutes or I would have blacked out. One skill you have to have is to realize something's happening way bigger than You must get your mind and eyes off the horizon of your phone or your television and see that God's kingdom marches on. It shall not be moved. That one adjustment can begin to slow down your spin. It might cause you to wake up. live a completely different life. The best paragraph in Rick Warren's best-selling book, The Purpose Driven Life, is his opening paragraph. I'll read it to you because it's just one sentence. It's not about you. This is a massive adjustment needed to get out of the spin. Live for God's kingdom, not your own. I'm not immune to the forces of the world and the spin. And so, if you wonder how you could pray for me, it would be these five things. For courage. To keep my charge. To not abandon the post take God's word seriously to remember that real soul prosperity is found in the Lord alone and to get out of the spin by living for a different kingdom
Let's pray. Lord, we humbly submit ourselves to your word. It is a light unto our path. I say about my own soul, there's so many competing voices, so much speed to try to fight against to not get in that spin. Lord, I pray for my friends that they could find a place for rest for their souls to adjust. For anyone here who's really blacked out, that your Holy Spirit would revive and correct course. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing our closing song.